We are in Second Peter this this week, starting into the the book itself. A couple of weeks ago, we did the introduction to the book, just to look at some of the background information to see a bit of an overview of the book as well. We had already gone through First Peter, see Peter writing to these believers in these churches in what today we'd call Turkey, and I think he's talking to the same folks here. Uh, and First Peter, encouraging them in how to handle trials, how to, to walk through those faithfully, how to remember the great hope that they have, the great inheritance they have in Christ. And then in this letter, uh, encouraging them in how to deal with you know, not just the challenges from the outside, like in First Peter, but now how to deal with challenges that can come up from within. Uh, they were dealing with some false teachers, and we'll deal with... You know, some of what they are probably teaching here in the first few verses of the letter, where we see that they have you know, a few elements sort of to their teaching that seem to be brought up in the book, and one of those we'll certainly address today will be their thought that they had a, a special knowledge that maybe others didn't have, or they could see things that others couldn't see, um, and that sort of thing, and we'll, we'll deal with that some today. But we're going to be in the first few verses of chapter 1. And as you make sure you're, you're there, uh, this passage is going to be about relationship. And in relationships around us, we see that there's uh, a great benefit to being in a relationship, whether that is a child with his or her parents. There, You have love, you have support, you have home, you have guidance, you have all these things that you have through this relationship with, with mom and dad. And those things are so important, and they, they shape us so much. And you know, as we are adults, we find uh, even things we don't even realize we were doing, we are doing because of that influence of mom or dad. How, how many of us have ever you know, done something or said something and then thought, oh, that was dad that just came out of my mouth, or I just did what mom does, or all sorts of things. I even remember in... High school, I had, uh, my senior year, had a, my French teacher that year, she had just made this comment about something that my brother and I did that neither, neither one of us realized we did. Like We kind of you know, put our lips off to the side just as we were thinking or doing something. Or I didn't even know I did it, but I know I got that from mom because that was something she would do. I never even realized I did it. Just that relationship there, we get all sorts of things through it. You know, some things we know we're getting, you know, some things... We realize we're getting later, maybe. But there's all these things that come through relationship. Again, whether through child and parents or even you and your, your spouse. You, you and your spouse, over the years, you start to probably even look and sound alike. Just You spend time together. You, you absorb one another. That we, we get a lot out of our relationships. And you know, in human relationships, we get you know, good and, and bad out of that. But we're going to see today in these few verses here, that our relationship with God is vitally important for us. And our challenge, or our charge today, is to seek a relationship with God, to know Him personally. And we're going to see some reasons for that. I think today, uh, this morning, we'll just get to the first couple of reasons, and I'll have a couple more uh, next week. But let's look here, I'll just start at verse 1, as Simon Peter introduces himself. Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. 
to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And here's his greeting to the the folks, starting in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, but which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So in these verses we'll see, again, that you and I must seek a relationship with our God. And the first reason for that we'll see back up here in verse 2. Why should you seek a relationship with God? Because God gives grace and peace. Uh, in fact, it's going to say that he, he can multiply that grace and peace, is what, what Peter is, is wishing towards these folks. This is the, you know, as we would write a letter, we would say, Dear so-and-so, I hope you are doing well. That's kind of what Peter's doing here. I want you guys to have God's grace and God's peace be multiplied to you. Not just to, to have it, but have it in abundance, to have it multiplied to you. And these are things that come through a relationship with God, as we'll see. But this grace here, you know, we often call it God's unmerited favor, and we do that for, for good reason. This is God's favor on us that we've not earned. This is God saying, I'm going to work in your life without us having done anything for that. Uh, we come to him as sinners in desperate need of a Savior. You know, there's the the story that Jesus tells of the, the tax collector and the Pharisee that go down to pray. And the, the Pharisee's prayer is, you know, thank you, God, that I'm not like that guy. But the tax collector's prayer is, Lord, be merciful to me, a, a sinner. That he, he knows he's in need of God's mercy. You know, mercy and grace go hand in hand. You know, mercy is God not giving us the punishment that we truly deserve. And grace is God giving us much more than what we really deserve. And so God's grace, and we have it. Uh, and this is, again, God's unmerited favor. God's work in our heart, God's work in our life. Having him uh, encourage us, strengthen us, uh, you know, equip us for ministry, use us in ministry. That this is all God's hand at work in our life. Knowing that, again... This is not something we have earned. This is not something we have deserved. But God is at work in our life. And he makes clear throughout the scriptures that it's, it's him at work. And that he, it's a privilege for us to be a part of that. So we want God's grace. We also want his peace. You know, Peace being that calm well-being which can only be from God. That we're able to go through life without... Anxiety. Now, we're going to be anxious at times. We're going to worry at times. We're human. But through God, we can have peace. Again, a calm well-being through whatever storms we may face. In fact, Paul even talks about this in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. You know, it's when we put off anxiety, but instead in its place we pray, we get to see that God's peace surpasses all understanding. And it will actually guard our hearts and minds as we follow the Lord. That God's peace does go beyond 
any sort of explanation on our part that we might be able, and I've, you know, even in the short time we've been here, five years or so, been able to watch you guys. You know, some of you go through some tough things and go through that with grace and with peace and to see that that's only from God. Uh, that you know, just left to ourselves, we'd, we'd go nuts, we'd be screaming, we'd have all sorts of troubles. You know, again, we're, we're human, we're going to have ups and downs, we're not going to handle everything perfectly, but, but with God, we have his hand on our life, and we have peace that comes from him that passes all of our understanding, that will guard our hearts and minds, that will help us to go through the things of this life Dealing with the anxiety and the worries and the fears and all of those things that are there for all of us. So through God, we can have this grace and this peace. You know, again, in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, we see that this, this peace comes not just automatically by itself, but it comes as you pray. It comes as you give anxiety to God. You know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, pray. You know, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That it's through that, that prayer with God, talking with God, and, and we see that similar thought right here in Peter, or in Second Peter, as we look at verse 2 again. Grace and peace be multiplied. Again, this is not just any amount. This is a multiplied amount of grace and peace. This is in abundance. You know, grace that is greater than... As the song puts it, grace is greater than all our sin. Grace is greater than uh, than anything we might face. Or even as you look at Paul and his thorn in the flesh, he asks the Lord to remove it, but God tells him, my grace is sufficient for you. We can have that, that multiplied to us, and it will always be enough. Actually, it will always be more than enough. But we have his grace, and how do we come to that? How does that come to our life? Grace and peace be multiplied to you in... The knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How do we have God's grace and peace in our life? It's through knowing God. Knowing, knowing the Father through, through Christ. And this is when I, I brought up the, the false teachers, as we'll see in the book, the letter, that one of the elements of their false teaching was this thought that we have a, a private understanding. We have a private access to knowledge. Knowledge is beyond what the rest of you can get to. Uh, sort of a, a mysticism to it. But he here is using, you know, using their word, knowledge. This is how you come to grace and peace. It's through knowledge, but not in something that nobody can get, but it's knowledge of God. Knowing God. In fact, the word, you know, the regular word, you know, Greek word warning here. The, the, the Greek word normally for, for knowledge is gnosis. I have in English letters, G-N-O-S-I-S. But the word he uses here is a more emphatic, relational, personal word, which is epigenosis. That the, you have knowledge, and then there's a deeper version of it. Similar to, you know, we do this as well. Uh, we say, you know, I know... I know by neighbor five houses down, which might mean we know his name. Maybe we know his, the pets he has outside. We know what he drives. But then we also say, but I know my wife. Now those two knowings are very, very different, or should be very, very different. That I should know my wife much, much better than I know my neighbor five houses down. 
that there's knowledge of just intellectually, I know this person exists, I, I know a name, I know something about them. And then there's experiential, there's relational knowledge. I know this person's likes and dislikes. I know kind of what makes this person tick a little bit. I often can tell what they're, he or she is about to do uh, just because I, I know them. We have a relationship, that sort of thing. And hopefully, you know, Valentine's Day today, we're growing in those relationships and uh, thankful for the relationships God has given us. And But there's this knowledge that's relational, it's personal, it's deeper. That's what we're talking about here, that grace and peace don't come through just knowing that there is a God. It's, it's not just that knowing of, of the Bible or just knowing of what Jesus has done for us, but it is a personal relationship with our God through Christ. Being brought about because you know, I, as a, a person who is a sinner, who uh, separated from God because of that sin, he is holy, he hates sin, I came into this world as a sinner, so there's no relationship there. But Jesus Christ, being perfect in every way, being God himself, took my place on the cross, paid my debt, and then rose again from the death, conquering death. So that all that I have to do to have that relationship reconciled, to have that sin wiped away, is to trust him. Say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but, but I also know that you died for me and that you rose again. Please forgive me of my sin and help me live for you. He is faithful and just forgive. He's excited to forgive. And he brings us into the family. You know, one of the great descriptions of our salvation or a certain aspect of it is, is adoption. As Paul talks about us being you know, adopted into the family of God, that we are now sons and daughters of God, full-fledged heirs alongside Christ. That we have this relationship with God now through faith because of what Jesus has done for us. And it's that relationship, not just knowing there is Jesus, not just knowing that Jesus did die for us, but placing your faith in him and getting into that, that relationship with him that we have God's grace and God's peace in our life. And then from there as believers, that now we know that we are headed toward heaven, now that we know that we have this forgiveness, we need to continue to grow in that relationship. You know, just as you know, a man and woman get married, they have their wedding day. You've now entered into this relationship. But the work doesn't stop there. In fact, you know, it's really where the work begins in the, the relationship. You're, now you're, you're getting to know each other on a much deeper level. Now you're working through problems together. Now you're, you're learning what it's like to you know, hear that other person chew uh, or to see how that person works through problems, or uh, to see all the, all the things that come along in that, that relationship. And there's, there's work in that relationship, and there's growth in that relationship. And in our walk with Christ, in our relationship with God, we are to continue to grow in that relationship, to not just you know, know that I'm, I'm good, that I'm headed toward heaven, and so, Jesus, I'll see you when I get there, but leave me alone till, till then. But we're to continue to grow in this relationship with God, and we have more and more you know, 
understanding of his word, more and more understanding of uh, where we need to, how we need to grow, and more, more understanding of what he's done for us as we continue to be in his word, as we continue to pray, as we continue to, to go through life trusting him in this relationship that ought to be growing deeper and deeper as we go. That's how we come to have God's grace and God's peace multiplied in our life. That we have it in abundance. We have to be dependent on Him. We have to be closely related uh, uh, to Him. And so we have to ask, are we seeking a relationship with Christ? And I maybe even should ask, add to that question, are we actively seeking a relationship with Christ? And sometimes we think, well, if I just make sure I'm in this building once a week, I'll be okay. Uh, or I'll make sure I just I don't do those those bad things that everybody will see. I'll be okay. But it's not. It's more than that. It's it doesn't just happen by accident. We need to be seeking Christ. He's seeking us. He's working in our hearts. He's drawing us to Him. But we need to seek Him. We need to put in put in the work. Just as I mentioned before, yeah, in a, a marriage, you know, you need to put in the effort to spend time together, to talk, to learn each other, to you know, adjust to one another, to uh, be there for one another. In our relationship with Christ, we need to put in the effort to hear what He has to say in His Word. We have to make sure we are in His, in His Word, and we're coming to it, letting it speak, letting it just say what it says, letting it mold us and shape us, and then living by it so that we can see more where we need to grow and see where, you know, such great reason we have to trust his word as he proves himself over and over. Also, we need to come to him in prayer to share with him our thoughts, our fears, our requests, to come to him in praise and adoration. We need to be seeking him out to grow in this relationship. And through that relationship, again, an active, growing relationship will have his grace and his peace. I think sometimes we... We sort of you know, seek Jesus out as a maybe a good luck charm. You know, we haven't been talking to him. We haven't been in his word. But I'm in trouble now. Just save me. Uh, or we just think he'll he'll get me through this, even though I haven't talked to him or I haven't been in his word. Or we we just want the we want the grace and peace without you know the work of the relationship. But we need to invest in this relationship, and that's how we come to have God's grace and God's peace at work in our hearts and lives. That's how we become close to Him. Of course, He works in our hearts. He gives us strength. He draws us close. But we need to be drawing close to Him as well. Seek Him out. Seek a relationship with your God, your, your Creator and your Savior. Through His Word, through prayer, through living out His Word, through ministry, let us draw close to our God. Because through that relationship with God, we have grace and we have peace. This is, again, this is more than just assent to knowledge of just, I know that there is God. Uh, it's more than an academic or an intellectual thing. It's a relate, relational thing. So let us seek out our God in a relationship that is deep, that is growing, that is vibrant, And that will allow us to have grace, his work in our life, and peace through troubles, again, that is beyond understanding.
So seek a relationship with God first because God gives grace and peace. And then second, in verse 3, we'll see that we must seek a relationship with God because God provides all that is needed for life and godliness. Verse 3, As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Through His... Through his divine power, as we see here at the beginning of verse 3, he gives us everything that's needed for, for life and godliness. And we know we serve a, a powerful God. His power is more than we could ever truly understand. Power than more than any other being ever. And it's according to that power that he has provided for us everything that is needed for life and for, for godliness. As first here, the, the life he's talking about is our our spiritual life, that we can have spiritual life because of God who has given it to us. Paul talks about this at the beginning of Ephesians 2, talking about how we were, we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but God quickened us, or He made us alive. That's through Him that we have spiritual life. And so He's given us everything that we need, everything that pertains to this spiritual life. You know, he's the one that you know, planned and, and worked out the gospel itself. The, you know, the Father sets the plan that the Son would take our place on the cross, and that He would rise again, conquering death. Again, so that through faith we're forgiven, we're made whole, we're given a home in heaven forever. And the Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, is the one who convicts and pushes us toward Christ and shows us our need of a Savior. And then as believers, the one who you know, helps us to learn and grow and understand Scripture and apply it to life. God gives us everything that we need for spiritual life. And then on top of that, He gives us everything that we need for, for godliness. You know, godliness being a, you know, a Godward attitude of reverence, of devotion, and of worship. So He gives us everything we need for the, you know, just to have spiritual life, but then how to live that spiritual life in a godly way. To do it with devotion, with reverence toward God, to do it uh, worshiping God in all that we, you know, say, think, and, and do. With this, again, this attitude, it begins with the attitude that is, as one author put it, Godward, that we're we're thinking of God, we're seeking out God, we're wanting to please God, and then and that godliness leads to that attitude leads to godly actions as well. Actions that match up with devotion to our God, which fit with worship of our God. And God has provided us everything that we need so that we might have life toward Him, and so that we might live that life with an attitude towards Him and actions that honor Him. But how, again, does a person come to have everything that he needs for or he or she for life and godliness? God gives these through, as we see here in verse 3, as His divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge. Again, this is the, not the gnosis, the epigenosis. This is the deeper relationship knowledge. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. This is, again, it's through this relationship with God that we have everything that we need for life and for godliness. Everything you need to learn and to grow, everything you need, and for, before that, even to be 
a Christian to begin with, then everything you need to learn and to grow, everything that you need to handle trials, everything that you need to, everything that has to do with life and godliness comes through a relationship with God. We know that the relationship involves, again, as a human relationship does, you know, talking and listening. You know, talking to God through prayer, listening to Him through His Word. That's God's way of communicating with us. He's given us everything that we need there. To know Him, to grow, to serve Him, to know what pleases Him, to know what He's promised, to know what He's warned against, to know all these things. We have His Word. And in this relationship with God, we have everything we need for life and godliness. And we see that this is, uh, in addition to this, the end of verse 3, who called us by glory and virtue. That God has drawn us to Him by His, his glory and virtue. Uh, his glory being how God shows us His greatness and His, his power and His majesty. That when we get to see how wonderful God is and to see a, a little bit more of his, his glory, again, his, his greatness, His majesty, His power, that we're drawn to Him to see, wow, this is God. That He deserves my time, my attention, my heart. You know, Peter could even be thinking of his time and in his boat back in, in Luke chapter 5 as you know they had been fishing all night, you know, Peter Peterman. Peter was a fisherman, I'm combining words here, that Peter was a fisherman and they had fished all night, caught nothing, were putting things away. And Jesus says, well, let's get in the boat. He teaches there and says, let's put the boat out and then throw out your nets. And Peter's like, we fished all night, didn't catch anything, but okay. And they, they do it and they catch so many fish that the nets are starting to break and they start pulling up in the boat and it's wanting to sink the boats and they get two boats involved and it's about sinking those and breaking nets and just more fish than they'd ever seen in one catch. That this miracle performed by Christ, again, Peter hadn't actually met him yet until this time, and now he falls before Jesus saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. That he had seen God at work, and seen that Jesus was not just a regular guy, but this was, again, this is God at work. And his reaction is, is awe, is, is that I am unworthy. But then Jesus assures him, you don't need to be afraid. For I'm going to, for, for, from now on, you're going to be you know, fishers of men. You're going to be catching men. That with this assurance, with this call to ministry, Peter and the other two guys, they, they forsake everything and follow him. He could be thinking of that, that they had gotten to see a little bit more of God there. And God called them to him through that. And we see his... His glory causes him, but also his virtue at the end of the verse. You know, virtue being that moral excellence. And when we see his, see his excellent character, how he is perfect in love and grace and mercy and justice and truth and all these things, to see that he is worthy of our hearts, our service, he is worthy of us coming to him in a relationship. So let us draw close to him, knowing his, his glory, knowing his virtue, knowing that we can have everything that we need for life and godliness through a relationship with him. I think often as you look around you know, 
the world around us, or even just look at you know the big tent of of Christianity, uh, and that's sometimes often you know very loosely using the word term Christian. But we look around the the world and see all this stuff around us and see many, many books written about tips and tricks about how to get through life and do it the Christian way. Or or sometimes we think of needing more discipline to have the right habits in life. If I just do X, Y, and Z, that I'll be okay, that I'll be right, and I'll be right with God and, and all this stuff. But the tips and tricks, the personal discipline, the all these things, some of it can be really good, but... The real answer to all these things is a relationship with our God. To invest in time in His Word, to invest in time in prayer, to invest in you know, meditation over His Word, to invest in that time practicing, you know, living by His Word. It's through this relationship with Him that we will have everything that we need. It's not a it's not a quick fix, it's not a tip or a trick, it's not personal discipline or gritting your teeth and getting through it. It is a relationship with Christ that gives us spiritual life, that equips us to live it in a godly way. We cannot do this on our own, but we need Christ. Just as you know Jesus himself illustrates it with the vine and the branches in John fifteen. It's when the when the branch is clinging to the vine, abiding in the vine, that it gets life and nourishment and everything it needs from the vine, and then it can bear fruit. And we need to be attached to Christ, to abide in Christ, have this relationship, and it's through that relationship we have everything that we need to bear fruit, everything we need for life and for godliness. Again, it's not through... The latest book or the latest trend, it's not through personal effort. It's through a relationship with Christ. There's no shortcut. There is time with Him in His Word, time with Him in prayer, time living out His Word, and time meditating on His Word. It's through this relationship with Him that He grows us, that He molds us, that He shapes us. He equips us, He strengthens us, He does all these wonderful things, again, so that we might have life and we might live it in a godly way. And so, whatever you have going on in your life, seek out a relationship with your God. And that relationship starts with faith in Christ, who died for us and rose again. And that relationship grows and flourishes through time in the Word and prayer. Let us grow in this relationship with Christ. Let us seek it out before anything else in life so that we might see God's grace and God's peace be multiplied in our life and so that we might have everything that we need for life and for godliness. And that's where we'll, we'll stop there for this morning, but we'll pick up there and look at the next couple of reasons in, in verse 4 for why you and I must seek a relationship with our God. So, but work on that today and this week. Seek Him out in prayer. Seek Him out in His Word. Invest in that relationship with Him. Let's pray. Lord, do you thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for your, your grace. Thank you so much for your peace. Thank you so much for, for all that you have supplied to us. I just pray today that you would give us, give us the strength. Help us to draw close to you. Help us to grow in this relationship. 
knowing that there are many other things that are beneficial or helpful, but is necessary for us if we want grace, peace, everything we need for life and godliness, to have this relationship with you. And I just pray that that would be uh, this message be used by you in our hearts and lives, and we might learn and grow as we go, and give you honor and glory as we do that. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.